So hello, welcome to a special edition podcast. My name is Jeff Harris. I'm the District and County Superintendent of Schools. And in the time it takes to kind of have a cup of coffee with a friend, we want to invite you to join us for this kind of coffee and conversation. So joining us today, we have Paige Swan, principal at Crescent Oak Middle School. Hi, Paige. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Well, because I know you're not really doing anything else right now, right? (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) And then uh, joining us again, uh, I think he was on just a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Randy Fugate, the uh, county administrator, principal of Elk Creek and Community School. Welcome, Randy. Hey, thanks for having me back. Sure. Well, you know, so guys, what I really kind of want to talk about today uh, are are two kind of big topics. And that is kind of our screener and what school might look like or be a little different this year. And I also want to talk a little bit about attendance because having been a middle school principal and and teacher myself, I know middle school is a lot of times where the rubber hits the road um, and then Randy gets to deal with it. Uh, It's his road. That's right. So um, let's just kind of dive in a little bit here and, and let's start off talking about the screener. So Page, I know this week, um, actually starting last Monday, you had special education on your site, right? Correct. Yeah. How's that been going? Well, I must say that seeing some of the children return was absolutely wonderful. Uh, seeing some of the smiles, their excitement to enter school and be there um, has been really motivating and and has really excelled um, us and trying to get everything ready for October 5th, because uh, we truly feel that once we get the kids back, everybody's mental health is going to be better. That's what we need to see. We need to see our kids in school and uh, we need to start the learning process. I mean, what at a what, higher level? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what a strange year, huh? School starts on August 31st and it's like, Hey, everybody welcome back, but you're not allowed to come to school. <laughs> that was different. The takeaway. <laughs> so, so has it been, it's been going well? Oh, it has been going tremendously well. Uh, we've had nothing but positive comments from our parents, uh, from the kids. And, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we were worried about have, we didn't need to worry about it all. It right. has actually been very, very smooth. Well, that's good to know, but there have been some shifts, right? So, so one of the, one of the changes uh, and this was something w- that we actually had to get out early was this thing called a self-screener. So on the self-screener, it covers a lot of ground, right? So for those of you who haven't seen a self-screener, every day before the child comes to school, and our staff does it too, um, it asks, do they have any COVID-like symptoms? Do they have a fever? Do they have a persistent cough, maybe accompanied by a fever or difficulty breathing? It asks if they've had any change to... Um, uh, kind of their in, intestinal system, <laughs> diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Um, and if any of those answers are yes, then obviously we're asking families to keep their children home. If the answer is no, then they go down to the next section, which asks if they've been around anybody who's had COVID, who's tested positive for COVID-19. And if the answer to that is no, then a family fills out the bottom and goes ahead and sends their child to school. How's that worked at Crescent Oak so far? Oh, it's worked wonderfully. We have not had one student come without uh, the screening that was necessary to enter class. Well, that's great. And so we, but we do want our, um, our parents and our families to know that should a student show up, mm-hmm. say an emergency happened in the morning, something wasn't normal and 
by chance a student did show up without their screening form, we're ready and prepared to do that screening. And so if you came through your entry point, depending on what grade level you are, and we'll have those maps posted. Um, if, a, if the adult at the door notices that that pre-screening pre-screen, form is not in the student's hand, then they're going to be sent to room 17 for screening and we'll take care of it. Well, that's good. I mean, that, so you guys have it all planned out, right? Part of that site safety plan. That's right. We've been working hard on it. <laughs> it will. And just so that everybody knows, those site safety plans, if you haven't seen them, uh, you can get to those at www.dnusd.org slash family resources. They're at the bottom of the page. Um, all the sites are there along with the district's pandemic resource or, um, response plan. So so they've been working well. So, you know, we're, we're looking at doing the same thing, Paige, just district-wide. We mailed all of those screeners home. Um, so families had them. They're also available online. And we're getting ready to do that district-wide this week. So uh, I think right now they're planning on mailing 2,400 letters. Um, those are unique households. Uh, and out of those households, that comprises about 3,600 students. Um, we'll be sending home screeners for the next two weeks, along with some additional family information around COVID and masks and things like that. Um, but it's worked well so far. So that, that gives us a glimmer of hope as we kind of plow into next week. Absolutely. We're real thankful that those were all mailed out in advance. Um, you know, and then I know all of our parents that had students that plan to return in phase two got a, a personal phone call where right. we were able to go over the screen or make sure they understood it. And so I think all of those things that we put in place really uh, created us some success yeah, in, that's in that phase two. That's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you guys are pretty organized over there. <laughs> well, you know, Delaware Community School started back uh, today with uh, small cohorts. So we, we have a we have a lot less volume than you have, Paige. So we were able to. Um, look at maybe breaking our school down into halves and we started with a small group today as a matter of fact and so um, most of the kids actually brought their screeners and were filled out in advance we had a couple that didn't um, but we have at the front 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 door before you come in a table there and uh, they were able to catch their folks while they were still in the parking lot and go through the process and if not we have a similar process where they go and they get screened by a staff member um, so we can get them checked out and get them into school as long as they're they're qualified Um, and then I'm sure like you just talked about the entry points, that's a, that's kind of become a, a new, we're talking about Mr. New oh, things, yeah. Mr. Harris. Yeah. So when you walk in the building, how is that different from before? Well, there's a, a hand washing station. There's a, there's signage that says, keep your, keep your distance six feet apart from other people, personal space. So all these things that we're living with in our, in our world now, when you walk into the school building, what they, when they left it, it's different now when they come back in. So they actually wash their hands. They maintain that space. They um, wear masks. When they come in, so that's the, we've really worked on how to work with the staff to keep frequent breaks to get the kids, you know, outside or into an open space where they can peel the mask off for a few minutes and be human for a few minutes before we go back <laughs> well, into Well, you know, that, that's another one of those new terms, kind of like, you know, Zoom. People knew about Zoom, but now there's Zoom fatigue. Yeah. That's actually in the lexicon, right? And it's the same thing. It's not recess anymore or breaks. People are now requesting mask breaks. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big difference. But um, uh, I have to echo Paige. Uh, we had the kids in the building. The energy was really good this morning. Uh, they were a little bit quiet. It's been six months. They have not been in a classroom right. in almost seven months, right. really. So we talked a lot about that. We talked about 
all the connections that may or not, may not have been lost during the last six months. And what does that mean to come back to school? And, you know, who, who are you connected with? And we spent a lot of time around that. I and mean, that's, that's kind of our theme for this next month is just getting reconnected. But um, the energy was good. And, uh, and once we broke out of the kind of our uh, larger group of kids to, to the smaller uh, class sizes of five or six um, this morning, they were, it was good energy in the classrooms and uh, kind of evaluating where they are with their credits and what they're going to work on. And yeah, so it well, was that's nice. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's that old phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and what we've heard is that students that we had before who, you know, going to math would have been like pulling teeth or trying to get them out the door to an English class are now going, do I get to do math today? Do I get to see my teacher today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, one of the things I noticed is in the uh, few kids that we do have on campus, they're seeing school as a privilege, you yeah. know, which is really nice because they do realize that, you know, there are things out of our control that can take school away from them. Right. So, I mean, that's a good perspective <clears throat> because it is a privilege. I mean, do, do you think, I mean, education's a right. And I'm just saying if, if they see it as a privilege, do you think that is kind of leading them to really understanding the importance of filling out that screener to make sure that they can be there, that they are there? Because I know one of the big concerns that's out there right now is if we do start having people who get, um, I maybe lax a little bit and not filling something out or sending a child to school when they're just a little sick, even though it's one of those, um, kind of COVID type symptoms that school could go away again. Do you, have your, have your students expressed that or have, have you had any conversations with family where that's been kind of in the forefront? Especially with staff. Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't had the chance to talk with the, the students and, and get that feeling, but definitely with staff, yeah. you know, we want to make sure mm-hmm. that our health and safety is um, followed all those guidelines. And so that we can assure that we can finish up the school year um, in phase three. Yeah. If not phase four. Yeah. And that's similar. We've, we really talked about that idea that we could be into this for two weeks and, and suddenly be out of it for two weeks or three weeks while we wait for something along of a symptom that's come through to pass and everybody to, to get tested and be back. So uh, the staff's very aware of it. Uh, I think families, uh, you know, the screener form is, is kind of a trigger for folks in terms of understanding that we're monitoring all this stuff and our safety plans that went out, our site specific safety plans really do talk about what could this look like. And a school could, a school could close down if you had a certain number of students that were tested positive or, or fit some of the other criteria. So I think that's there. I think people are are having that understanding that it's as nice to get back. We need to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing on that screener that you know, uh, I suffer greatly from allergies. Mm-hmm. And of course, right now, this time of year, I'm sneezing. My eyes are itchy. Uh, my throat's a little bit scratchy. And uh, so I just wanted to reiterate on that screening that we're not talking about kids with allergies uh, and may have an asthmatic cough that would uh, not allow them to enter school. We're talking about um, something above that baseline that they want to mm-hmm. be uh, mindful of. Yeah. Or, or that cough that gets worse. Right. I mean, it, it can still be seem like that asthmatic cough, but if it gets worse or if it comes with something else. Right. So if we have that cough and we also have a fever now, I think that's those are some indicators. Absolutely. So, again, we want things to be healthy. We want kids to complete these screenings. But we also know that if if a child completes the screener, well, or their parent completes the screener and um, they can't come to school 
what does this look like on attendance? So Paige, your teachers, if, if a child can't come on a day that they were scheduled to come, they're going to put down what mark? Um, I believe a, unless a, a for absence, right? Correct. Um, and then that's going to go to the office to kind of verify because they should have been there. Um, and absences this year are going to be really weird because if they're actually present, they don't get a P they get a one. So it's going to be a little strange, but Randy, you, one of the things that you do is you oversee SARB and this year, the school attendance and review board is not, it's not going to be the same sort of school attendance review board that we've had in the past. So how's it going to be a little different this year and how are we going to handle kids that can't come because they are exhibiting symptoms. Right. So I think that's one of the early conversations we've had in terms of uh, what you think of as a SARB board. Typically, there's been uh, three letters in the SARB process, an initial warning letter that says, hey, we're missing your child. We'd like to see him back in school. Let us know if we can help. And there's a second letter that says, hey, we need to see you. There's an appointment where we sit down with the families and we really do have a discussion about what are the barriers? What can we do to help? And and then a third letter would generate um, an actual SARB review board with uh, a, an independent panel and parents and students to to really go through and see what, what actions are we going to take that would help fix the situation. What we've looked at right now, because of all of the the, the crazy start we've had, even this year, we had to delay school starting a week, and that start then was a distance learning start. Uh, we've had mm-hmm. technolo- technology challenges. We've had uh, routine building challenges. We've had folks coming in and out for various reasons. Uh, what, we're, what we're looking at now with our attendance codes, we have some new codes. I don't really want to get into codes too much, but if we have a student that is not accessing at all, um, and that would be normally an absence, we're going to be calling it an L code, but that L code would trigger some early conversations, some early interventions. And so we're looking at what that would look like um, to reach out to families early with that. And we also have, uh, would be our four code, which means, hey, we haven't seen your student. We've talked to you on the phone a few times, but we're not getting you to come in or we're not getting your student to engage. So those two, those two situations are going to generate some um, earlier responses that aren't necessarily um, tied to the SARB process, mm-hmm. but will will be precursors to the SARB process. So I think what we'll look at is um, some earlier intervention type communication to really work with families. We'll have, we have a truancy officer uh, that's really going to focus more in that strategies and intervention support role along with administrators. And then if those, if those fail, if we're not able to break through those barriers, then I think that that what we think of a traditional SARP process will eventually kick in, but we're looking at a little time in the school year. We wanted to really work with families. There are a lot of things that aren't in people's control right now, and we want to help help that. We want to help get things in people's control. We want to we want to figure out what it is. If it's bus, busing issues, or if there's food issues, or if there's technology issues, we want to right. we want to break down any of those. We want to take those things away. So we're being patient uh, with this process. We're not really um, looking at uh, the attendance piece as critically. And I say we're looking at it, but we're not going after it in that SAR process as early as we might normally. We're going to work with families for a while longer. So, you know, as we talk about this screener and, you know, you both said that the screener is working, kids are bringing it in, um, families are signing off on it. But if, if a child does have that fever, one of the things that we're telling them, for instance, is as long as the child has the fever, keep the child at home until they've had the, until the fever has been gone for at least 24 hours without the use of medication. Um, so Paige, I know that 
well, and Randy, you were the high school principal. You've been a, you've been around the block a couple of times too, but, uh, you know, as we've had kids come on, I know that I used to have kids that would show up at my school because we would incentivize like dances with attendance. Right. right? So we'd have kids who would show up sicker than a dog, um, just because they wanted perfect attendance to be able to come to the dance. Um, so this is going to have some impact, right? With, with cohorts, so our cohorts are going to be pretty well established. Then all of a sudden we're going to have a child or a couple of children because it's cold and flu season. Things are going to happen where we have a child who has to be out for, let's just go back to that fever. Um, have, have you and your staff page had any opportunity to really talk through um, what that might look like at Crescent Elk? Because I think at the high school level, uh, your students are doing something a little bit different, right, Randy? Yeah, the high school's got a, a real different structure right now, um, looking at uh, three periods a day from nine to noon, mm-hmm. and then the following day, the, the other three periods a day from nine to noon, and then their, the afternoons are spent with uh, contact, distance learning contact, or additional support, academic support. And, and I believe they're working on how to get students back in the building. Um, special education students are already coming back, but they're looking at some of those other special interest groups that um, trying to get them in hands-on CTE or dance, sure. music, that kind of thing. Well, but yeah. And so how about good. community? Community school right now in terms of our structure. Yeah. Uh, we, we've broken our school into two, two groups. So uh, Monday, Wednesday is our cohort uh, A group, mm-hmm. Tuesday, Thursday is cohort B. Friday is a distance learning, which I believe is county district-wide. District-wide, yeah. So, so in that day, our teachers will be in distance learning mode. Um, if there's a if there's a silver lining on any of this, and what you're going back to what you're talking about, if if a student does show symptoms and goes home, and let's say that the the scary consequence we find out they tested positive for COVID nineteen, that would trigger some other responses for our school. We'd have to do some contact tracing and find out where we're at. If, if, if a classroom, for example, had to go home for the, in this process, the, the benefit right now is that we're all distance learning part of the week at this stage. Right. And so this is, if, again, if there's a silver lining, teachers can flip a switch pretty fast for those students. The student doesn't have to miss school because they're home waiting for a test or maybe their fever it does break in a day or two, but now they're having to wait for the maybe eight or nine additional days because of a positive test or something like that, they don't actually have to miss school and we can continue in that mode. So I think that's one of the positives as much as I, um, this, the whole thing drives me crazy. <laughs> um, that this is probably, there's probably been never a better time in terms of teachers readiness to be able to handle a student being out for, for something like that. Right. Well, and I think that's going to be big because, you know, kind of moving in and out of that kind of in-person cohort A, cohort B with three days a week of kind of the distance piece. And then we have the other students that are on distance. Um, Everybody having a similar opportunity to jump in there to make sure that they are attending. Because I think, Randy, you brought up a really, I think, interesting point that people forget. And that is if a child has to be quarantined or if for some reason a family member is, and so the child's at home too, Um, One of the things that we're finding out um, is that it's not just the 10 days, right? Because if a person at home is positive, that's 10 days for that person. If the family doesn't get tested or for some reason can't get tested, they could potentially be quarantined for an additional 14 days on top of the the first person to be tested uh, as positive. So it could potentially be that you have a child who's out of school out of the physical classroom for up to 24 days. Um, and when we think about that, that's, 
you know, we're talking three weeks, almost four weeks that they're not in school because you got to throw weekends in there. So it's not like a full month. Um, but they can still access through distance. Mm -hmm. They can still have that connectivity. They can still complete the work. They can still do all that. So even though they may be out on quarantine, they still have access. And we've never had that ability before. No, the, the process has been because we have a short-term independent study process or even a long-term independent study process. Those take, those take a little time because you're having right. to go to your teachers, generate work. You have somebody coordinating that effort, call the family back in, they come back and get it. It can take, it can take several days to actually get work together on a student who might've already been out for two or three days because of being sick. So mm -hmm. this is just a, a, a flip of a switch. Uh, for the teacher and the student say, Hey, they're out. No problem. We're back on the distance learning mode, which they'll already be in that. We haven't left it. That's the, right. the other thing. So on those off cohort days, we're still in that mode. So, um, again, we've talked about that quite a bit. And so it, it does, it, I think there's an anxiety relief there for, for us, as far as knowing that we could, we could, a whole school could go out for a period of time. If, if there was a couple of cases that caused that kind of a situation and we can respond to that. Yeah. Right. That's a, that's a great point because, um, you know, typically, like you pointed out, it could be up to 48 hours before we could gather all that work from teachers. Now, if the uh, we could flip a switch, like you said, and then, you know, we also want our parents and, and, and families to know that um, if you're leaving town and or going somewhere where you don't have connectivity, then that's when you would request that independent study. And it may take us up to 48 hours to put that together if you're right. Well, and we were about out of time, but I think that even brings up something else. And that is the concern that we may have families who leave town and go to areas that have a much higher rate of COVID. And, you know, we've been very fortunate and blessed in our community not to have um, widespread uh, instances of COVID. We've had one death. We've had, I think at last count, it was around 180, 190 cases total since March. Um potentially more, you know, we always hear a lot of things could be more because there's not enough testing or whatever, but, but that's, what's been documented. And, um, one concern that we've heard is if families are traveling outside of the area, you know, I think a lot of us travel to Medford or Ashland or, or Brookings or Gold Beach, Eureka, that kind of thing. But if you start going beyond that, you know, kind of out of that, we're calling it the 120 mile bubble, once you kind of go outside of that bubble, then all of a sudden we start hearing about communities that are seeing higher rates. We start hearing about other issues. And so if you're a family and you're thinking about traveling or you are going to travel, then going back to our earlier conversation about screening, we definitely want you to watch out for symptoms. Um, but if you do travel outside of that 120 mile bubble, we would also recommend that you consider uh, keeping your children home for a couple of weeks, 10 days, uh, verify symptoms, make sure that they're not exhibiting something that they may have been exposed to while you were outside of the area. Because like Randy and Paige were both saying, while it's not, and, and I'll, I'll just say it's not as easy as flipping a switch because there's a lot of work involved for <laughs> yeah. staff. Um, it's still available and we'd rather be, and I'm going to use a an overworn phrase, we'd rather be safe than sorry. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather you, you know, keep your children at home for a couple of weeks, check for those symptoms. They can still participate in distance learning. They can still access their teacher. They can still access their peers. They can still participate. Um, but if they were to come down with symptoms, we wouldn't have to, we wouldn't have other children exposed either. So 
So gentlemen, that's kind of it for our time today. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Final words of wisdom. <laughs> Final words of wisdom. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll just say it's exciting getting some kids back in the building. I think we started there. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how that grows and uh, when we can actually start to expand on that. So, you know, I think that's, that's what people want. And that's what we want. That's what I think the kids want. They seem like it today. So, yeah. Yeah. And I've spent literally months walking the hallways of Crescent Elk without, you could hear a pin drop. Oh yeah. And that is not a good feeling. So I know things are going to be much better on Monday um, once we get kids on campus and, and we get back into the swing of things. Looking forward to it. Well, that's absolutely phenomenal. And we just want to thank staff who have already brought our special education mm -hmm. students back that are already working with them. Randy, all the best on your staff and, and bringing those students back today. I, I can't imagine having been a site principal. I can't imagine what it would be like walking around to school with no kids. I mean, that's, we all got into the job because every one of us was a teacher. Yeah. We all had kids in our classrooms. We all still hold teaching credentials. Um, and it just, what a weird place. So um, remember everybody fill out those daily screeners. Uh, if your child is sick, keep them at home. They won't be starved for being at home for sick, uh, for illness. We want to make sure that they're healthy and that everybody else in class is. Um, and if they're not able to participate for some reason, pick up that phone, talk to somebody, get them engaged as soon as they can. Um, and then we look forward to kind of building on the momentum and the, I think the joy that as Ra you, you guys can't see, but as Randy and Paige both talked about having kids on campus, their faces lit up and they got big smiles talking about how, how good it was to see him. So uh, we look forward to that multiplied many times on Monday. So thank you, gentlemen. All right. Thank, thank you. Thank you.